don't just be complacent in your life. Whatever that is for you in your rectangle, in your box, whatever that is, if you push yourself outside of that line just a little bit, I guarantee you're going to grow, but you have to do it and you have to have that uneasy feeling when you do it or else you'll never know what's going to happen. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And we are here in our brand new studio part of the Manufacturing USA Network that was announced at the IMTS show just this past year, the DMDII. And I'm here with my good friend and co-host and co-founder of Making Chips and just overall good-looking and nice guy, guy, Jim Carr. Oh boy, he's really buttering me up. He wants to borrow money from me. Thanks, Jason. borrow some money? No, I don't have any to borrow. (laughs) I'm running low too, though. It seems like the the norm lately. So what does DMDII stand for, Jim? The Digital Manufacturing and Design Innovation Institute. Yes, it is. And we are surrounded by CNC machines that are trying to figure out how to take manufacturing in the United States to the next level. I mean, this facility is just so state-of-the-art. I mean, we've got this big screen TV that's gigantic. It's a touch screen. They've got all these video conferencing stuff so that people can, you know, just talk to other people all over the country. And it's just great. I, I was just I was just over getting a coffee and there was four people just kind of talking around the uh, you know in the cafeteria over there about how to move a product from development to getting it live on Kickstarter in and into production in record time. So like that's cool. one of the things that's Did you on chime their mind. in? I didn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was focused but on getting my cool coffee. That's cool that you noticed that. Or, yeah, exactly. I mean, well that's the kind of place this is. It's a resource facility. Well, people right? are trying to make physical products here right. and they're trying to to do it as, you know, high tech and as inexpensive here in the United States as they possibly can. So, I mean, it's, well, it's great that we're in the middle of it. Yes, and I'm grateful to them for allowing us to have this as our permanent home, and I look forward to the resources that they can bring Making Chips and the Metalworking Nation so we can inspire and equip manufacturing leaders with the resources that they have here at the Institute so we can bring that knowledge to the nation. Absolutely. So we got some manufacturing news today, great. don't Go we? Ahead. Yeah, so... I was looking on Google News, CNN Money. American manufacturing is having a moment. Did you know that? Did you know that manufacturing is having a moment? It appears that way. Yeah, well, it does appear that way. Um, I know things are up, and they say job gains are up so far this year after being down last year. You Great. Know, and so that's it's a not good thing. Just, it's not all robots. It's not all robots. The latest industry figures released Monday show factory owners are feeling good. And I have to admit, I am feeling good as well. 
The ISM Manufacturing Index, a key measure of the industry's health, showed manufacturing grew for the eighth straight month. The index hit 54.8% in April. Any reading over 50% means the sector grew, and anything below that means it shrunk. You know what's funny about that, Jason? I remember years ago, my dad used to always follow this. And it's funny that this kind of analytics and metrics interests me now as an adult running my manufacturing company because my dad always used to be cognizant of that particular index 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's been around that long, and it was always interesting for him to tell me that. He used to say, oh, it's over 50%. That means everything's looking really good, and sure as heck, that's what I'm seeing. And and it also says that our friend, Patricia Miller's new best friend, President Trump is focused on bringing manufacturing jobs back to the United States. And I just think he's it's pretty awesome. serious about yeah, it. Yeah, he is. And it's just, you know, people are talking manufacturing, manufacturing. I mean, it's in the news all the time. I mean, several years ago, manufacturing was not in the news. It was not. It was so like we still manufacture in the United no, States. No, seriously. What what do you think has changed? What how how has how what's the paradigm shift? People have woken up about what drives this country, which is innovative manufacturing and innovative processing and building things. I mean, that's what we need to do is that we need to be an innovative manufacturing country. And people finally realize, wow, we, you know, we, we, the politicians created all these things like, you know, NAFTA and like, you know, just whatever, whatever kind of regulations that hurt manufacturing, whether it be, you know, the tax laws or trade laws or whatever, whatever it was and killed manufacturing. And now they're like, oh, whoops, we made a mistake. Well, I think we need to bring it back. Yep. I agree. The paradigm shift in my mind is I think people are finally realizing that if they do buy an American product, it is definitely going to go back into and it's going to, you know, flourish this country. Another thing, too, is I think there's a lot of people like you, like me, like the TMA, like the peers that we surround ourselves with that are finally getting the word out They're They're taking these parents and they're taking these young students, these young people, and they're waking them up. They're shaking them and say, hey, this is a great industry to get into. It's clean. It's uh, highly paid. It's highly technological. It's a long-term career that you can support your family on forever. Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing, and I always have to disagree with some of these articles, one of the things that I'm going to quote here, a trove of research points at automation and machines as the chief job killer in manufacturing. Well, you know what? No, we need more automation and more machines. I mean, it's not a job killer. It it creates jobs because it creates more output. It's and well known. Look it, at it, Brian Panic. Yeah, he said. I mean, it's it, and even like you know reports. I mean, you have somebody from a business owner like Brian Panic, and then you even have union representation who say we need more automation, we need more robots. So if you have two people from you know what I would call opposite sides of most debates like that agreeing with each other. Um, not that I don't even know Brian Mannix. <laughs> I shouldn't speak for him. No. His, his views on, on unions. But, um, you know, he's a business owner. And then you have the union saying, you know, we need more robots. We need more robots. And they're not killing jobs. They're, they're actually not. bringing jobs. I don't know why they say that. I mean, it, as output goes up and we can compete better with a global market, more jobs are going to come here. It's just going to go full circle. 
So it, it's interesting. I, I love talking about, you know, you know I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I like sharing the good news because, as I always say, it was so bad for so long and all that that bad news was out there and it was so negative before that this is such good stuff to share. Um, it gets me pumped up for the industry. Yeah, so it, it looks like in 2000, there was 17 million factory jobs, and now there's 12.4 million um, factory jobs, but that's actually up from the 11.4 million factory jobs that, that came in early 2010, um, which I believe that was during the Obama administration, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, sure. Anyway, it's a great segue to kind of what our discussion is going to be about today, and that's pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and into the next level. And what that means, it means something different to everybody. We all have our goals our and our, our visions, strategies to push ourselves out of our comfort zone. And I guess we'll get right into it then. Yeah, let's just go point by point well, on here's, what here's we've how done I think about it. You know, I'm a visual yourself. person. I've always said that I'm a visual person. I, 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 I see things and it reminds me. That's why I write down a lot of notes because when I write it, I remember it. But when I picture myself pushing myself out of my comfort zone, I think of a rectangle. And I think of me bouncing around day to day in that rectangle box. And I'm hitting the sides. It's like... Pong. You probably don't know what Pong is years ago. I remember. Yeah. It was like that ball bouncing back and forth. Boom, boom. That's how I picture myself living in my box. But what I said to myself is I'm going to move that one side. I'm going to open it up another half an inch and I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone and do things that make me feel a little uncomfortable. Not to the point where I'm so uncomfortable that I'll never do it again, but to the point where that little uneasiness comes and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And I I have to tell, and then your box gets bigger and then boom, I open up the horizontal one. I bring that one up in a half an inch. And finally, your big rectangle box is getting bigger and bigger by the day because you keep pushing yourself outside of that rectangular comfort zone box. Well, and and that's that's a great analogy. I guess mine would be a little bit different. My my analogies always come back to either my marriage or parenting or something like that and you know the thing that I always think about is that you know you you're never when whenever when you have a kid and and your your child is born, you never feel like you're quite ready to handle that. And I feel like it's the same thing when I when I push myself out of my comfort zone in a business standpoint too. It's like I never feel like I'm completely ready to take on whatever this new task. It could be starting making chips. It could be making an acquisition. It could be taking on this new client. And it's like you just have to you just have to jump into it and you just have to give it everything that you have and expect the fact that you're not going to do everything 100% correct. You're not going to be 100% ready for oh God, it. No, but if never, you wait if you never. wait until 100%, you're just never going to do it. 100% is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's you you got to go for, for 80 to 90%. Well, I don't, I don't even articulate it like that. But all I know is I know I've pushed myself outside of my comfort zone because I actually feel a little uncomfortable when I'm doing that particular task. Right. I agree. Just like when you're holding that baby that's seven pounds and just started breathing on its own, it's like you f- you, you feel uncomfortable a little bit. You're like, I don't want to hurt this thing. You know? Yeah, it's just I, like I, when I started making chips, it's like- It's been a long you know, time since I've held a little I know. baby of my I mean, own. You're pretty and old, Jim. I'm trying to think- if I ever felt uncomfortable, because I kind of felt really comfortable being 
a dad uh, right away. It was not uncomfortable to me. You just don't want to screw it up, I guess you would say. You never 100% like feel equipped to do it. Yeah, I never, I guess I never thought about it we all got much. different analogies yeah yours yeah are, and that, oh it's totally fine yours i totally are 80s get it video games and but you know, know minor parenting so you know my youngest is 24 on wednesday so um you know it's been a long time since i've held a little baby but yeah i i agree i don't for me that wasn't part i i wasn't trying to push myself out of my comfort zone by having children we're just i'm talking about pushing myself out of my comfort zone to build a better personal brand and a business brand and elevate myself to the next level and my company. You know, and, and I made a cognitive decision to do that about five to eight years ago. I can't remember when it was. And it had to do with just stepping outside of my business and uh, making a, a decision to do strategic networking, which we've talked about before on the show. We know how important it is. And we, we've shared with the Metalworking Nation how to be more strategic because you you and I both have talked how we've made you know we, we know the pitfalls of unstrategic networking. You go to those networking events and you meet a bunch of people they don't really care about and they're not going to help empower you. But you know, and then speaking on an AM Chicago radio station to eventually doing our own podcast. Do you remember how uncomfortable that feeling was at the beginning? Oh, absolutely. We didn't I, even have I, a cord to I was talking to plug like in. a robot at first. Yeah. And then, you know, well we had to have a little wine too. And then, you know, just uh, volunteering on um, committees and manufacturing committees and, you know, uh, board of director services through our ma- my manufacturing association and through a chamber and, you know, eventually w- rolling into the uh, chairmanship role at, at the association that we belong to. And then uh, public speaking. That was, I mean, I was never the guy to talk. I was always kind of, you know, the guy in the corner that never wanted to say anything. And now I feel totally comfortable getting up in front of 300 people and talking. So, and it took me a while. I'll never forget, I would say six years ago, one of our friends, Kent Gladish, asked me to talk to a small group of about 20 people at the association about social marketing for net, uh manufacturers. And I said, sure, I'll do it. Boom. That feeling came right over me right away. What am I going to do? I I don't know. My office manager at the time, she goes, just get some five by seven index cards. We'll figure this out. We did. I got a stack of them. Boom. What's the first thing you want to talk about? And I think that the easiest way for me that I segued into it was just be honest about what you're going to talk about. Don't try and make anything up. And I think you would definitely agree that that's the evolution of our our show has been the more comfortable we have gotten over the last two and a half years by speaking into these microphones has definitely loosened us up and we've gotten more emotional and more authentic in the way we project and and equip and inspire. Yeah, I mean, all those things that you mentioned that have helped you to get out of your comfort zone, I mean, being a part of, you know, different local boards, you know, chambers, speaking publicly, those are all things that a manufacturing leader can do within their local network, within their local geography. So I, I believe that if, if somebody's looking to move out of their comfort zone, that that is a great way to do it. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, recommend starting a, you know, podcast for manufacturing leaders, although, you know, we're, we're happy to um, see other people do it. But um, out of those other things that, that you talked about, I mean, everybody, sh- every manufacturing leader should look at, oh, how can I get out of my comfort zone? I know for me, I 
started taking on leadership roles very, very early on, um, simply because I, you know, I was the face of the company to a certain extent, and my dad's personality was not such that he was willing totally to totally get that. So I, I kind of had to take the role of of being the representative of the company, and I was always operating as the, you know, when I was in my 20s, I was the 20-year-old kid that was at networking events with, you know, the 50-year-old owners of companies, and I was leading a, you know, like a mastermind at in my early 30s, in late 20s, um, with a bunch of other people that were much, much older than me. And I, I soon got comfortable with that and, you know, made it my own. And that's how I got out of out of my comfort zone. And, you know, I just, I, I was okay with that. And I've always been very, um, yeah, I've always you, been very forward thinking. So you mentioned, you know, five years ago, but for me, I, I, I was like, I was always looking in the future no, 30 it, years ago. It's, I mean, it's been very recent with me. It's taken me a long time to do it. But like I said, and I, I think that came naturally to you just being a, a leader and taking a leadership role. Um, I think manufacturers on the whole are a little bit less resistant to doing those particular steps. But it doesn't Why is that? I don't know, but it doesn't make any difference because it could be pushing them out of their comfort zone could be learning new technology, going from a, a three-axis CNC to a four-axis CNC or a five-axis CNC, or going from a three-axis CNC to a turning center with live tooling or taking welding. Don't just become don't just be complacent in your life. You have to whatever that is for you in your rectangle, in your box, whatever that is if you if you push yourself outside of that line just a little bit, I guarantee you're going to grow, but you have to do it, and you have to have that uneasy feeling when you do it, or else you'll never know it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's great. I think everybody needs to look at, you know, what is my box? What, you know, is my box, you know, three-axis machines? Is my box not speaking publicly and is my box, you know, what are the different factors that are in your box that's not causing you or that's not allowing you to get out of your comfort zone and say, how do I push this up a little bit? Or how do I create something that is that, you know, new baby that you're going to say, I'm not necessarily ready to do this thing, but I'm going to jump into it anyway. And if I, you know, if I make a mistake, I'm just going to, I'm going to self-correct and I'm going to make it better. Right. I just think that once again, it doesn't make any difference how you push yourself out of your comfort zone. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in a manufacturing environment. A quick story. Uh, I had a, a networking event at my home some years ago, and I was mentoring a young man who had just started in the industry. He was a, a banker. And I was I was talking to him about what we're doing today, about pushing yourself out of the comfort zone. I told him about the rectangle. I told him about you know what I'd been doing. And... We were in this network, we were at my house and my wife was there and I heard, I was, you know, like getting somebody a beer and I heard this young man say to my wife, oh yeah, I quit my job today because Jim told me to push myself out of my comfort zone. And sure enough, he did because he felt he wasn't feeling it in his current job and he needed to push himself out of his comfort zone to make that uneasy feeling come aboard. And and moved to the next level, and he did. And I couldn't believe that I heard it in, in the corner of my ear. But he was a banker. He didn't. He wasn't in manufacturing. So you know, 
it, it doesn't necessarily have to be manufacturing related and it doesn't necessarily have to be the things that we just bulleted out. It, as long as you get that uneasy feeling, you know you're there, man. Absolutely. So speaking of uneasy feelings, I have um, one thing that I would like the Metalworking Nation to do what for What would you like Jim them to do, Jason? Um, you got to say please. And this would be really, really helpful for us because, um, you know, I did mention this before, but there are some other manufacturing podcasts that are coming on. They're nothing like nothing making like chips. ours, man. Um, but it would be really, really helpful for us if our um, the Metalworking Nation would leave an iTunes review for us. So you tell go. Me how, on, I, I'm not an iTunes I, guy. So tell, tell me you. how that works. So you you go onto the on your iPhone. You go into the podcast app and you search for making chips. One word. And you click on the little square that says reviews, and then there's another link that says leave a review. And then you sounds press, pretty easy. It, it's very easy. And then you press. Five stars, I hope. Um, you know, although if we're a four star, give us a four star. But I mean, I would hope that we're a five star. And then you write a review, and you know, tell us how you feel, and tell us like how passionate you are about making chips, because we would love to hear about it. And I think that it's the um, one of the the best ways for more people to um, hear about how great um, making chips is, well, is affecting your your life and your career and your business. I would like to say congratulations because we just saw the stats and we, we've got another record download day today. Yeah, just so. a random day and we had a thousand people listen. I mean, that's amazing. Who so, knew? Yeah, Who knew? absolutely. Well, so with that. What did my dad always used to tell me? I have no idea. He used to say, Jim, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. If you're not making chips, no, I'm going to start that over again because I like that. What? <laughs> I, I like saying if you're not making, oh my God, we're at 991.